Hi, I'm Gio Puyat, and this is Quentong Creatives, a podcast to get to know the stories, strategies, and lessons of Filipino creatives from different fields. Quentong Creatives is produced by Anima Podcasts. Alright, so welcome to another episode of Quantum Creatives. And today on the show, we have a very talented artist, muralist, illustrator. His work is super recognizable. You see it all around Metro Manila. He has a style that's very unique and influenced by pop culture. I really love his work. He is Japi Agoncillo. And with these interviews we do on the podcast, parang nag-align lang yung timing every time I talk to these creatives that I look up to. Whether it's scheduling or at a time in their lives where something interesting is happening, that's exactly the case with Jappy. He just moved to New York and he's been there for a few months already and is going through a lot of relatable things that I know freelance creatives go through as well, even me included. When I'm looking for work, I'm trying to find my footing and my identity in a new community and even dealing with the fact of actually leaving the Philippines and taking a chance, taking a risk in you know the bigger leagues in a more international scene. So we get into a lot of that for the first half of the interview and and we go deep into a lot of interesting things like how athletics and working out, exercise and discipline ties well with his art. He's really into a lot of Um, motivation and analogies when it comes to sports icons. And I think that's really useful to keep in your toolkit as a creative. And also one of the things that stand out in this interview for me is Jappy's attention to mental health, self-care, getting to know oneself, and journaling to process one's emotions. I think a lot of you will find that useful. And, and even for me, this is the first time I'm actually having a conversation with Jappy. From afar, mukha talaga siyang super successful artist na you know, lahat tama yung ginagawa niya. And, but after talking to him, you realize that you know, creatives from many different backgrounds go through the same anxieties. We go through the same worries about work and all that. So it was a very relatable and insightful conversation for me as well. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jappy Aconcilio. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Quentong Creatives, and today we have Jappy. He is a muralist and an illustrator currently based in New York City, and his art style is really just instantly recognizable. It's super unique, and you just go around Manila, you'll see it, epic murals around BGC, and even just a few weeks ago, I was in the UMG office, and then I saw your artwork on the, on the walls, and I was like, it's a sign I got to talk to Jappy now. Um, he's been commissioned uh, with clients like Disney, Marvel Studios, PlayStation, Adidas, Adobe, Spotify, just to name a few. So really happy to have Jappy on the show. Welcome. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? I, I never get used to my intros, I guess. I feel you. <laughs> Honestly, like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm lucky I'm, I'm the one who gets to dish out the intros. Maybe, maybe one day I'll have to listen to to my <laughs> someone introing you like someone telling you like look how, how much this person has done you're like oh, Lord, I, don't <laughs> I get it though yeah well it's it's an impressive list man so i mean just the the number of clients y- you have on that list and like the, the murals that i see it's 
it's everywhere. So um, yeah, really glad to have you on the show. Um, so I guess maybe let's start it off, no? Right now, Gabedita sa Manila. It's it's six p.m. You're it's morning over there in New York City, and um, maybe just tell us, you know, what led you there and how long have you been there so far? What what's the context of you being there in New York? Okay, well, hmm. there's a lot of ways you can explain this, but I guess I'm, I'm a big fan of the concept of the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar oh, yeah. with, with that? I'm book? actually reading so, Lord yeah. of the Rings right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of the book, you know, that like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or most comic book. Obviously, with my work, I'm a big pop culture fan, so that would influence me a lot. And I feel like that is kind of the catalyst for like why I'm here is that I wanted to see how far I could take my career because not everyone is, you know, as blessed or as, as lucky to be able to get these kind of opportunities. And I feel like it's part of my hero's journey, so to speak, to kind of see where I can take it. When I was, I came here in 2017 on a vacation after graduation, I, um, I gave myself like a graduation gift, two weeks in New York. Nothing, just to see whatever, you know, the museums, the parks, the pizza, whatever. I had nothing. I had no idea what this city is like. But I had some followers. I had a follower, it's JB, who messaged me like, how long are you in New York? I don't usually like message. I don't usually reply to like strangers. The other said, no, why not? Because like it's, it's creepy. Like, how long are you in New York? <laughs> yeah. I said, two weeks, why? Let's paint a wall. And I kind of snowballed. Like he just, we painted a wall. He invited me to his friend's shows. I met a bunch of other friends. And then soon enough, I found myself coming here every summer, 2018, 2019, uh, 2018, I came here twice. In 2019, I came here for a residency in SBA. And I decided I kind of want to see where this might be the next step career-wise in the future. And so I got in contact with a friend's immigration lawyer who kind of told me like you could get this thing called an artist visa so i'm here on an artist visa and yeah uh it's basically just like it's called a talent visa and you can just show immigration that you have a certain skill that's very specialized and why you should be allowed to work here so for the next two years after that i worked tirelessly that like I build a portfolio I would impress immigration and then pandemic hit I was supposed to be here 2020 but you know yeah we all know the thing but now I am now I'm here and that was the thinking that because I wanted to see how far I could take this career because not in a million years would I imagine it would become like this I just you know like all creatives we just start out drawing or painting or whatever but if you have the chance to do something crazy why not that was my thinking so, that's wild, man. Yeah. That's wild. You know, a lot of people flirt with the idea of moving abroad, myself included, man. Like, I, I really daydream about, man, what's the film industry like in, in LA, right? Or whatever. And I have a lot of friends who are like, shit, I don't I want to move somewhere. Pilipinas, whatever. But um, people want to look for opportunities outside the tiny bubble that, that is the Manila, even. Um, but I think few people have really really done it themselves no? parang really taken up that risk so can you kind of tell us what it was like um right before you committed to doing it because it's kind of like it's a risk man it's like jumping off 
into the unknown and now you're you're there three months in what was that mindset like like three months ago before i left the the mindset was really like you know like there's nothing else but the jump there was nothing else kind of mattered in a way that was both healthy and unhealthy whereas i was very focused on moving and i was very focused on how exactly i'm gonna get started but that led to a lot of overthinking so while i was trying to prep like i was packing up my things and i was saying my goodbyes to my friends and my family and like i would do projects i'm like this is the last project and then another last project and then another last project until although the day came or the week came where i had to leave and it was just like it just got really real okay i'm letting go of a lot of things in manila and i have no idea what comes after the jump you know because that's all you see like you're so focused on it but at the same time it's like all you see is the jump and not the landing. So before I left, it was really like, it was a lot of fear also thinking after I go, I don't know what happens next. And most people can kind of chart out their trajectories when they try something new, especially if you're, if you live in, in where you are, right? Like, okay, I'm going to try getting this job and you can kind of see where it goes. Um, a move like this is really like, first you jump. And then you figure it out after. Right. And cut to three months later, you're there. Um, tell us what it's like, man. I mean, earlier you were saying that the, the you were drawn to the, the energy there. And I, I, I get that. I, I've personally never been to New York, but I have a cousin in the Bay Area, which that's kind of what I, I, I go back to a lot. And there's something, I don't know, like intangible. Like there's an energy when you meet other artists, even if like musicians or whatever. Um yeah, what's it what's it like there? What's the community like? Well, the community is very open. And I don't want to make any comparisons to the, the like the industry or community in Manila. So this is just like just objectively what I see here in New York. The community is very open and they have this kind of energy. And actually, great question, because I was just thinking about this last night. I came from a bunch of shows last night. And how people openly talk about ideas that they're going to put forth. And that's like their singular vision all the time. And you know that those those, those memes or the, those, you know, jokes about New York hustle or whatever, it's all very, very true, actually, um, for the most part. Like, people here just want to get things done. When they have ideas, they go out and do them right away. And in a way that's all, sometimes very overwhelming. You know, like you get to a show and then they would start telling you, like, you want to be part of this, you want to be part of that, and you just... Uh, well, Give me the details first. <laughs> like, wait, wait a second. We're we're going with too fast with this, but it's also very inspiring that people here just they have ideas, they pull them off, and they have they don't really see anything else. Especially in the creative the the creative industry, the art industry, it's very you can get a hustle. Like, oh, you want to get this done? We're gonna get it done. You just have to put in a lot of effort into getting it done. So. You know, kind of manic energies here, very manic, very creative, very, very, very um, hard work beats everything else. That's kind of what, how they think. Right. Yeah. Like America, American and a hustle. <laughs> yeah. Especially in New York. I think it was born in New York and they're very proud of it. Uh-huh. They love it here. Yeah. They love that that energy here. Yeah. Birthplace of like industry and birthplace of hip hop, right? So mm-hmm. the, the mix of... The mix of cultures must be something really super different from what you see in Manila, right? Do you see that come up? I mean, yourself as a Filipino artist, parang 
Is is there something that um, is recognized there? They love that diversity here, especially in the art scene. Like I, I can only speak for the art team, but they love the diversity, and people always represent where they're from, who they are. They love doing that, and you'll always find community with people like you. You know, so like me, of course, I have a lot of artist friends here, but um, the people I click with the most are the Filipino artists because like we have the same similar stories, backgrounds language even if they're they would never been to the philippines even if they're just uh philams you can connect with them easily and yeah like they celebrate diversity they love putting each other up like they don't want to exclude anyone like if they're doing shows if they're doing shows they don't care who you are what you do who you love if you're good or if you work hard if you hustle your way into the show they'll put you in the show they'll put you in a project <laughs> like they celebrate that kind of everyone's invited mentality. Linda, nice. I think I want to circle back to that later, you know, and talk about what else is like in store there in, in New York. Parang, I think it's something a lot of people are curious about, especially creatives, no? Um, but let's go back a bit, no? Um, I, w- I want to talk about style and um, how you kind of first came across art, right? Because I like asking that to different you know, designers or illustrators, because in some way, it pops up in our lives as an influence, like anime, we're watching anime, or we see movie billboards or something. So engaging with art is like always a different experience. No? So yeah, I'm curious, now, how about you? Like, what, when was the first time you consciously remember like consuming art? Um, consciously remember, that's a good question, because I always give that whole, oh yeah, I read a lot of comics, like, Growing up, I watched a lot of TV, but like consciously engaged with it, like an earliest memory of art. Oh yeah, maybe like uh, what were you a fan of uh, before that kind of got you into that world? Well, as I, I grew up in the early 2000s, early the late 90s, early 2000s, so it was like my childhood was really like VHS tapes um, and and TV was so much, so so much TV. Um, the earliest memories I can think of is like you know watching. Watching and then rewatching and then rewatching like Mulan, um, Sleeping Beauty, Hercules is a is a favorite, obviously. And then going on TV and then you got Batman the animated series, like the original. And I don't know, I don't remember any of the stories. I don't remember any of the anything. I just remember looking at the TV and seeing Batman, buying the toys at McDonald's, or being brought to the movies where you don't understand a certain a single thing, but your parents like want to bring you to the movies. So it was like a, a very early Im- like deep dive and immersion in pop culture. That's what really got me into art in the first place. Whereas when I started drawing, the first things I wanted to learn how to draw was superhero cartoon characters, you know? Yeah, man. Like for sure. I mean, when you mentioned the, the OG Batman animated series, that was really close to my heart too. And um, I used to like really obsess over this, this PC game before called Batman Movie Maker. And then you would just kind of put together like stickers of Batman and I remember I wasn't thinking of it as movie making before but when I look back on it I was like you know like I really spent so many hours on that thing um but yeah I'm curious like when did you kind of realize you, research that, you know I, you know I have I have uh, a talent in illustrating and drawing mm, I don't think I ever like acknowledge like oh, I'm pretty good uh-huh. uh but I think I just knew that that was something I liked to do and something I was proficient at, maybe around like grade two or grade 
grade three, I'd say, because I started drawing grade two. Were you um, the kid who was always sketching in uh, in class? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I always got in trouble for, for that. But that kind of even became the way I would absorb lessons. Mm-hmm. I remember getting in trouble um, in school or drawing in class. And they would teach me, they would take me to the guidance counselor, like, this kid doesn't want to listen or whatever. Well, they actually found out that I was listening, but I, I, could absorb more if I was drawing or doodling, which nowadays is kind of an accepted thing. Mm. Like if you're doodling while listening to class, you actually learn more. Yeah, you're like a visual learner, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. So like around grade three was when was when I, I was known as the, the kid who drew. There's always one yeah, or yeah. two, like group project, who do you want to be group with? That kid. <laughs> That one because then we don't have to do anything. So yeah, it was around like I was what eight, eight or nine years old when I could draw. I could draw SpongeBob and Timmy Turner. So I'm I'm just flexing, but so perfectly <laughs> that it, yeah. people thought it was printed at grade three. But just SpongeBob and Timmy Turner because it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, chicks. Yeah, yeah. No, we we really end up like trying to imitate what we're we're fans of now, which is why I see mm-hmm. I see it in your art. Like you're you're really like fan you know the the enthusiasm of what you're doing really shines through um Mm. so yeah i i wanted to ask you about the evolution of a style because it's interesting that at first you're copying stuff and then eventually you're like why don't i take this and mix it with this other thing and then before you know it it's starting to look a certain way right yeah you're right about like at first everyone Everyone like just wants to emulate the things they see and the things they do. Um, so I started off with comics, of course, a lot of Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, cartoons, and I, that's all I did. And even like grade five, I was making my own comics and like sketchbooks. So it was very not very recent, but maybe around high school when I started skateboarding a lot mm. that I got more into like skateboard graphics and street art and graffiti, like that kind of vibe. And also a lot of gig posters and like, and I was really into um, alternative music, punk music. So it's very art heavy to kind of mix in those, those things, like new elements you see in like skateboard graphics. Had a lot of skulls when you were in early 2000s, all skulls. So that's like, okay, I'll start drawing skulls, but like in a comic book way. So like you're mixing those two cultures already and then you develop it into something else. And then in college, I started like, doing murals and, and dabbling in street art and graffiti, which I would mix in back into my illustration. The way lines flow in her, the way graffiti, graffiti, a spray paint would wrap around an, an object, the way the, the little splatters, the natural splatters look great. It was really just like trying something new and then applying it back to my first love, which was illustration, a comics illustration. So those are the, that's kind of how I built up this style. We're just like, I love comics. That's my bread and butter. What else can I add into it to make it look different than, than anyone else or than I have done before? And, uh, yeah, man. I noticed uh, so comic books, uh, um, pop culture, that's, that's, that's seen in your work. But um, I've also seen you talk about other things you're passionate about, like athleticism, right? Like, uh, like basketball, <laughs> Um, and I know you work out consistently too, but yeah, I want to ask you like, how did those kinds of things mix up with 
your life as an artist. Because usually we'll think discipline is for athletes, right? And you don't hear much yeah. about it for creative people. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I see it in your work ethic, man. So can you, can you tell us how you know those two kind of mix up? Hmm. Well, I started boxing when I was in that was second year high school. I was 15. And I didn't think it would be anything. Like my dad just told me, wait, the boxing gym. Let's go. I'm like, all right, whatever. I ended up really falling in love with it that I would just go. That was the, that my hobby after school. Like most kids would go to the mall or go see girls. <laughs> I went to the gym. So from an early age, I think that kind of, at least that kind of love for that that kind of um, lifestyle where you're working on yourself, you're doing something you love on your, in your free time mm, um, yeah. became in, ingrained in me. Um, and it's always been part of who I was, where, where like I saw myself, at the, not necessarily like I'm, I'm an athlete, but I see the way I approach art and the way I approach my career, almost the way an athlete would. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, most, most athletes will be like, like Kobe always says, I get up at 4 a.m. so that I'm working out before everyone else so that I know I'm at least doing more than them. Or the way Jordan would be like, if someone's better than me, my perception is I got to train harder to be better than them. So I thought, okay, I'll do that, but more internal. Like, I'll get up at, like now, even now, I don't know, I get up at 5 a.m. so I could start working before the sun comes up. Although it comes up very early here. I started working before the sun comes up. So I could tell myself, like, you did more today um, than you would have any other day. Or if I see myself, like, I always go back on my past works and I always look at things to improve. Like, you got to be better than that guy. Like, my old self. You got to be better than him. Um, you can't go back to that. So I put in a lot of discipline and effort into being disciplined into my art career because I, I just see it that way. Like, you know, because... The hard thing about art and creatives is that you can't tangibly see results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pain point like I've heard so many creatives talk about and I complain about it all the time. It's not like working out where your numbers keep going up or you can visibly you're scoring more in a game, you're winning more fights, whatever kind of athlete. But in art, like how do you know you're doing better? You can't. So the way I kind of at least know I'm doing the right thing is to treat it like an athlete where I am practicing more. I am visibly trying to improve on old work like i approach my art career almost like an athlete i guess that's the, the simplest way of and putting that, it so many gems in that so many gems man thanks jappy's not joking man like he actually texted me at 5 30 p.m like yo we still on for later <laughs> i'm like it's 5 30 a.m in new york right now this guy's yeah up hella early but yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 real man like but yeah i wanted to jump off what you said no with athletics, with basketball, with um, even boxing, you, you put in the reps and you see results. Like, I don't know, like um, how you perform in a, a three-minute round. You or feel it. You feel it. You, you, even yeah. the physique is, is obvious, right? You'll always see like tangible results with creatives. Yeah, but, yeah, so how do you go about that? Like, what are the metrics for practice, let's say? Like, how do you, how do you practice your art? It's a good one because I've always kind of had a problem with the concept of practice. Okay, yeah. Um, especially like when I was in high school or in college, the concept of studying kind of bugged me. You mean I'm just going to reread my notes for hours? Mm-hmm. And it's just like art. Like, how do I, you mean I'm just going to draw stuff for hours? But 
the more I think about it. And as, as, I, as I got older, the concept of practice, especially in something intangible, is really like being as mindful as you can with small details. So the same way, like, like again, back to my example, like lifting, is you do small increments, like let's say everyone knows like a, a squat. Um, you want to get stronger at the squat. Every time you go to the gym, you add a tiny bit of weight each and every time until it progresses. Before you know it, you've added like 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. Thing with art is like, look at tiny things you can improve on. And then when you fix that, the next thing and the next thing, small techniques you keep trying to add in there. And before you know it, your style has improved. The quality of your work has improved. Um, let's say like right now I'm, I'm doing a bunch of um, poster paint commission. And I'm looking at something I finished just recently. I can see all the mistakes. <laughs> it's right in front of me. So the next one I'm going to do is try to rectify those mistakes. It's just small ones like sharper lines, cleaner edges. Um, how do I get my, my corners better? You know, so I think with creatives, it's really just like seeing small things you can improve on um, and then trust that it'll get gradually better in time if you're mindful about it. Yeah, that, that's a good tip, man, because I think uh, me personally, um, I, I kind of need that that fire, you know, that athletic, athletic mm-hmm. discipline because I'm kind of fluid, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, sometimes I feel like if I need to do this, I'll, I'll try to go with my emotions and I tried to kind of put structure in that and I've been seeing that structure helps me but um, what you're talking about too is clarity you know it's being honest about what you see and when you can look at past work you see like okay what should I change here what am I too harsh on um, do you ever think about that like finding I don't know like trying to be more like um, I guess disciplined and strict with yourself but honest in a way that isn't like beating yourself up too much I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find that balance right now so I, I get that that kind of mindset's not for everyone. And I've gotten a lot of comments also like, it's kind of psychotic in a way, you know, like it's kind of crazy. The way you approach art is like um, obsessive. Um, and, and that's that's just who, the way I do it. But, but also I see that there's a negative side to it where you do get burned out easily. Um, you do end up beating yourself up a lot. That's That's a good like way to put it because you're so harsh on yourself. So I can't necessarily answer with how, because I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, one thing I've not, I've learned is on this journey to not beating myself up too much, is like just to put the pen down, learn how to put the pen mm. down when you're tired or when you're done. Like when, again, if I'm painting this and I really feel like I'm tired, instead of, doing the hustle, the hard work culture, like, no, you gotta keep going until you're done. It's like, no, I mean, if you're tired, if you're burned out, take a break. You don't have to push yourself too hard. Um, because it's not, again, it's not a physical activity where pushing yourself too hard equals growth. It's art. And if you push yourself too hard, you might end up hating what you're doing or your, or the quality of the work suffers. So I'm trying to learn that balance of, being strict and disciplined with myself, but also being kinder. And uh, yeah, man. I mean, that sounds like you're aware of it. So I, I guess for for other people too, um, that, that's something nice to hear. 
related to that, I want to ask about the other side of it where we talked about having discipline and having a structure to what you're doing. Uh, but how about the importance of play? You know, it's art. And, you know, <laughs> sometimes that's something I thought about too. Like, I wanted to, some, you know, with work, sometimes it got too serious and I did feel burnt out. And I wanted to go back to why I wanted to make movies, films in the first place, just like to make my friends laugh or something, you know. Like, you do your SpongeBob thing or whatever. It's so innocent, you know, and it's <laughs> it's playtime, you know. So, you know, do you ever yeah. think about that? Like, um, playing in the sandbox, right? Yeah, how to how to bring back the fun in it, right? Like how to how to make it more less of a headache and more of just like something you do. I'm also trying to learn that. I think the important thing is just to do something and not feel like you have to put it out into the world. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. In the, the, this day and age, right? right. Social media, like mm-hmm. it feels like everything you do, you gotta video it, edit it, put a fun song on it, and then post it. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not everything has to be like that um, even if you want to grow and stuff you know so how do I bring like when I play around it's really just like sketching I for a long time especially like when I was working to get the visa and before I left I never sketched um, it might sound stupid but like I never went into my sketchbook and just drew for fun everything was a project everything was like what's this gonna be um, these days I try to give myself like a couple hours a day or even in between paint breaks, project breaks, you just sketch anything, any kind of stupid idea, character, cartoon, a movie I saw like last week I drew Star-Lord, um, after seeing Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but I just like, oh, this actually looks pretty fun. Like I just did it without, without anything. I put, I, I put on my stories cause it ended up looking cool, but you in your brain, in your mind, just do something without having to think, who's going to see this? Is anyone going to like this? It's just about you. So that's how I do it. Like, I'll just make things and not think someone's going to see this. Man, that's so key. That's so crucial. Especially now, like even me too. I mean, I'm trying to do the podcast. I'm constantly trying to think, oh, this could be content, you know, content hat mm-hmm. on. Yeah. But I, it's All sometimes right. means and can I unplug the leg? Like, yeah, you know, it's it's just healthy for oh, for the soul, you know. I mean, we're not built to be social media machines. It's just that that's the way the world works now, and mm-hmm. you it's true. You have to get on that train yeah. in order to progress career wise, but it shouldn't rule your life right. um, or everything you do. You know, you could write stories and not think about who's gonna see it. Write stories knowing no one's gonna see it. Mm-hmm. Like, Draw stuff knowing no one's going to see it. Make videos just to send to your friends. You don't have to put it on TikTok and then worry about how many likes and views and followers you're going to get after. So, you know. Yeah, definitely. Just, just do things for yourself. That's liberating. Talaga. Um, okay, I, I kind of want to go back to the uh, talk to you about the, the, the physical part of your work. No? But this time in the context of making murals. Because um, that's different from, you know, working at home, on your desk. There's a physicality to it, so um, yeah. I, I, how did you start with murals, and how, is there a difference in your mindset when you're getting ready for how like the physical long hours of doing it? Well, getting started was really uh, lucky. It was so lucky. I went to uh, USC first. So backstory: I went to USC mm-hmm. to to do fine arts. I did 
uh, fine arts in USD. And then I got burnt out. I started hating it. So I left to do legal management in DLSU. I wanted mm, to be a lawyer. Okay. So I thought, get my legal management degree, go to Ateneo Law School, like I, like I want it. And then whatever, art just art. But I was always drawing. You know, when you, when you're really meant to be doing something, you can never escape it, I feel. You know, even if anyone would like a corporate job, they're not corporate robots. They have hobbies and they'll always go back to it. I went back to drawing all the time until I was in an org um, that had like this office. The office of the org was right in front of the cafeteria. And they said, Jabby, paint. Yeah. Because I was already like doing other people's art projects for extra money. <laughs> They're like, Jabby, you paint, right? It's like, yeah, I, I guess. You want to paint the wall outside? I'm like, I can. I've never done it. And true enough, it was the most difficult mural I've ever done. It was the first one. But after I did that, I was like, I'm pretty proud of this. Post it online. And then other DLSU students with, you know, big family businesses. Like, I got a Tito's cousin's mom's grandpa who has a <laughs> restaurant. You want to maybe do that? I'm like, okay. So that kind of became my side hustle. I was making money on after school or on the weekend, painting murals. Um, until it grew into whatever it is now. Uh, I wasn't prepared for the physical physical aspect of it before, though I feel like all the working out kind of paid off by the time I started. Or like, it's true. Constantly going up and down, like literally squatting down, going on your knees, climbing ladders, stretching your arms, whatever. And you're on your feet for hours in a day. So, yeah, I mean... The physical aspect of it was pretty tough, but um, when you're in the zone painting, it kind of goes away until after we're just like, oh, I'm tired. What's the what's the biggest one you, you've ever done? It's a tie between the one for, well, tie between three. There's a three-way tie. There's Thor and the one in BGC um, because that was about three, four, four meters by like 11 meters. I could be wrong. But that was very large. Um, there's one in Festival Mall in Alabang that was 100 meters long. But at its tallest point, was only like 2.7 meters high. Um, and then there's one in also in Alabang for this mall called Block 10. I believe it was like 18 meters by 9 meters. And I did that one by myself because I was in the middle of the pandemic. So that was just like me every day by myself. Wow. So um, how long yeah. does that take if it's just you? That one for block 10 took about a week and a half because it was also all scaffolding. So it was like three, four levels of scaffolding and then just climbing around, literally like pulling myself up to get to places, climbing up and down. By the end of the day, I would just drop dead tired because um, I had to drive home because I live in Basig. So from Alabang to Basig and back every day, every morning, paint and go home it was, it was hell but I really enjoyed it you don't feel the tired until right. you're done yeah. you need physicality you're prepared for that no? but I want to touch upon what you said now about how you got started working on the projects of your mom's friends titos whatever like, um, <laughs> yeah. working with clients I said you know the way we see you now is you're working with these huge clients already but you did have to start from somewhere I think one of the most relatable 
things that we see are like business people or suits just telling you like when ma drawing lang yan sa ko na yan artist whatever ganyan um as someone who's dealt with like these huge corporations like can you give some advice on like people who artists want to start out and you know to see the value in yourself like how do you show your value to these clients i think confidence plays a big deal in it and that's something i'm actually like relearning um here in new york is like people love it when you're confident about your work you have to like really know and believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and even if you're not necessarily are sound like it i mean this is just advice to other creators this is like you have to learn how to sell your work um the i think a problem was when i was starting out and with other you know my my peers was just like you had no idea how to sell yourself to these clients cuz you're basically providing a service mm-hmm. you're a business you're a small business and if someone wants to work with you don't talk to them like you're lower than them talk to them like it's a business to business like you need my service i need your i need your business so let's make a deal not you're not at the mercy of these people not all the time um so yeah it's really like just i think a big thing is to kind of learn business stuff now i know that's boring i know that sounds completely like oh, oh business but like it really helps to know how to negotiate and talk business to other business people when i was starting out you're talking to you know small business owners and they can't they don't have giant budgets but you if you could if you could talk them you know negotiate in a way to get paid instead of doing stuff for free that works you know because they at least understand a small concept of business ownership make them understand your business and then you also have to understand that they are a lot of creatives when you're starting out also make make pakawawa mm, i mean right. but um, oh, um this business doesn't want to uh doesn't want to pay me or this business doesn't get it of course the business doesn't get it they're hiring artists for the first time make them understand right what can like don't be don't antagonize them for not understanding your industry uh teach them you know if someone's like well it art long in then if you're stubborn they won't learn but if you teach them even if they're hard to deal with at least they they leave learning something yeah, like so, the easy ways just to be like bobo na may mato eh tayo na parang di ni get art ko bobo na may mato but at yeah, the yeah, end yeah, like, you didn't get the project either right mm-hmm. Like you gotta be able to play that game. I mean, let your egos go. A big thing is let your egos go when you're starting out, especially, and do your best to sell yourself as a business, as a service, and understand that other businesses are just other businesses. They're not like out there to get you. Because even yeah, like if you say, "Hey, Donna man, he doesn't get it." All right, like you sound cool, but you didn't get the business. Mm-hmm. And if you want your your work to get out there and make money off your work, you're gonna have to play that game. Let's talk about rates. No, I'm not gonna ask what your rate is, but um, like, how did you navigate that? No, I think that's one of the practical things people ask. Because there's no standardized stuff at at home. How did you figure that that out? No, that uh, at, not get lowballed by clients and kind of find a way to value yourself. I'm failing. There's a, mm. a lot of trial and error with that. Um at the first few years was really like how much is this? And then you like this much maybe? Yeah. Like you're guessing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guesswork. 
but it's important to have peers also like i know there's a whole culture around not talking about how much you're getting paid or not talking about your rates but with an industry so small relatively small like the mural industry or the art commission industry in the philippines you have to be able to talk to your peers and people at, at your level and be like how much are you charging right. and why yeah and not in a way like you're oh i'm charging more oh malmo it's more like what is your mindset there and how can i apply that to myself um so when i started i actually just asked and i was surprised that people actually answered um like my my friends who i was coming up with i'll just ask them how much do you charge for this and why and then they would just straight up tell me and they're like okay that makes sense you're a little bit bigger than me and you're your work is a little bit everywhere so i'll just price a little lower than that and then yeah and so i think the important thing about pricing is is kind of getting a range of your environment right talking to your peers and making sure you're getting at least enough that makes you not hate what you're getting paid mm, yeah you don't love it but you don't hate it yeah, yeah. you know like your material especially for murals your materials are paid for your travel is paid for your food is paid for for those days and then you have enough to put in the savings and pay your bills sure it's not great you don't love it but as long as you don't hate it i think you're you're on the right track yeah yeah if you're starting out yeah right that's useful just just enough to kind of put your things in order you know for the long run mm-hmm. yeah i mean the money will come eventually but if you're starting out i'd hate to say it but like beggars can't be choosers that's like a mindset i had when i was starting it was like what is that this is what's coming to me i can't be choosy not every client can be you know marvel or mm. dc or whatever if they can pay this much only negotiate for a little higher just make sure your your things are in order and you have enough to put back into your life right you don't hate it okay um so kind of related to that i want to segue into creating opportunity for yourself we kind of touched up on it with making content but right now mm-hmm. as an artist right the name is getting your the game is getting your name out there and i read about what happened to you with shake shack and you just use like hashtags <laughs> in a post uh can, can you tell us about that story yeah i was in new york i was uh, i was 2018 2018 i believe when was shake shack 2019 huh? I was, I, was 20, I was in New York when I got a message from like someone who worked at Rustans. I don't know the uh, the company name, but it was Rustans. They own Shake Shack, I believe. I might be wrong. So they just messaged me like, hey, we're looking for muralists and stuff. Let's talk. So when I got back to the Philippines and met up with them, we talked about the project. Actually, it was like, I didn't even know Shake Shack. I even went to their office. It's just a, a burger joint. Like <laughs> nonchalant. Well, yeah, project for like a burger brand i'm like okay so whatever oh, again i like i'm not very choosy so i went to their office and i'm like have you heard of shake shack right <laughs> i might have heard of shake shack <laughs> i just came from new york of course i heard like oh shake shack yeah and then they told me about like their breed and little bees and everything after the meeting this is something i ask my clients all the time and actually if you're a young creative you're trying to figure things out ask people who hire you where they found you mm. It actually, it actually works. That's a good tip, yeah. I asked her, curious, well, where'd you find my work? Hashtags. We searched hashtag muralist <laughs> Philippines. And then a bunch of names came up and we contacted them. We like you. 
like, oh, the Panda girl. So, so I was so surprised because I didn't know shit. I didn't know hashtags work. Like before, I was actually pretty grossed out by it before. I mean, you know, I get at it. the start of yeah, Instagram, where like people like hashtag to death everything. Like, oh, I just want to read the caption. Now I do the same thing, but because it works. Maybe it's a little oversaturated now, but it worked for me more than once. And yun. So a big takeaway, I think, is ask your clients how they find you. So you can kind of put back into that because it could happen again. It could be referrals. It could be on a certain site. Maybe always oh, want your work on Facebook. Double down on Facebook. For me, a lot of it was Instagram. A lot of it was social media. That's why I think I was one of the first people to... I'm not, I'm not going to say like I'm one of the first. I think, though, to put that business out on Instagram. Like, I'm taking mural commissions and then, like, try to become a muralist through Instagram. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let, let's kind of unpack that some more about that the feeling, the push and pull of self-promotion as an artist. Because I think that I see a lot of people ask of that and struggle that struggle about that too. Um, there's like a cringy feeling to like, oh, hey guys, super. look at my yeah. work. Um, yeah, how right. did you deal with that? Because sometimes, in one way, it's crucial. One way, it's also like, yeah, you got to play the game, right? So how did you deal with that? At first, I just kind of bit the bullet and be like, you're going to be cringy. At least do it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because for me, after when I started the business, when I started doing murals, commissions and stuff, and I graduated from college and it, my parents were like, so when you're going to law school and I had my recommendation letters and everything and I had applications filled out and I told them, I don't think I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> and like, what are you going to do? Art. And it was kind of like a self-challenge to me to be like, if you're going to make it happen, do everything in your power to make it happen. And so when, when I knew that you know, like social media works for me. If you're going to be cringy, please do it right. So I wouldn't say I was trying to be cringy, but it was just like, well, self-promotion is cringy, but it, it, it works. You put put the keywords in there. You, you do the research how SEO works, blah, blah, blah. You put the hashtags um, and you put yourself in a position to be found. Nowadays, I try not to be as cringy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what cringy is, but Nowadays, I kind of balance it where like there's some work. This is something I've adopted recently. I do this two for them, one for me. So if I do two projects, that is for promotion. I do a lot of reels these days. I do a lot of commissions. So I post that. And then I'll post one that's just for me. Just a stupid like comedy reel or a stupid fan art piece. Just to be like, this is not promotion. It's just like, this is what I love to do. So every... Every other post that's a brand like, oh, buy this new thing. I did work for this new company. Another one would be like, I drew Batman because I love Batman. So you kind of have to make a balance between promoting yourself, promoting your work, but also don't forget that you're not just a machine, that you're also an artist. And, uh, yeah, I think that's something I need to tell myself too. Um, when, I, when I do a lot of um, advertising work, is it something you know, that can take, it's stole and then sometimes I get you. Like yeah. Some stuff I just want to shoot for myself, you know, or even just photos. And I have a friend who also worked in advertising. He he did directing, and now he's a TikTok star. Tina. Because in between Zirako, 
Ah. <laughs> Shout out Rocco Ruiz. Oh yeah, okay. I met um, him in he's the called, your, the called your SpongeBob. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's okay. his TikTok. <laughs> so while he was doing that, he was also still doing like little videos or little comedy things. Um and then he quit his job. He went full time into like art and TikTok and everything. And now, you know, it's really grown. So he's a good artist too. You, you, his, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 I won't say grew up together, but we were on the way up together. So he, he kind of balanced like he would tell us, of course the corporate clients are not as fun, but he still finds time to do his own thing every now and again. And that's important. Not just you're not just a robot to make work for brands or to make um stuff that you don't like. You're also an artist, no matter what you're doing. Right. Let's talk about freelance life, no? I guess when you're in a position in your career where you can manage your time and kind of choose between clients, that's, that's a good place to be. And also with its own challenges. But um, was there ever a time where you were dealing with just lulls? Like, it's quiet as fuck. And, you know, sometimes that just, like, messes with you too. And I, I, I relate to that. So, yeah, what, what were those times like and how did you deal with it? It's tough. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm in one of those right now. Uh, but of course, I'm starting over somewhere else. Like, it's a giant low. Um, but one thing I found that works for me here now, since I'm going through it, is more like just focus on making things. Because during your lows and during your slow times, and this is funny because actually, I, I journal a lot. So, on one of my more lower days, I went back on my, my journal from like 2020. I thought, I told myself, I'm so, I was so productive in the pandemic, 2020, 2021. I was like, I did so much. And now I'm not doing anything. I went back on my, my um, journal and I went to 20, March. Now this was March, March 2021. And I saw, I wrote there like, nothing's happening. Basically like, I don't know if this is going to keep going because, you know, it's a, it's a real down time. No one's hiring. I don't know if will my career keep going? You know, it's very hard on myself. And then I realized that was right before two of the busiest years of my life, 2021, 2022. And it's because I didn't stop. I wrote there, like, just keep making things. Even if, you know, as a freelancer, you are scared that you won't get hired again. But, but oh, there's no business coming through. I'm not making any money. And if I'm not making money, I'm not making content. If I'm not making content, no one's going to find my work. The way I cope with it now is just focus on making things and continue putting yourself out there, continue creating these opportunities, and eventually they'll start back up again. There's this quote I always go back on. I don't know where I heard it or read it, that if opportunity doesn't knock, build a better door. It's cliche, but it kind of makes sense. Like they say, opportunity will always knock, but if it doesn't knock, make it, you know, attract that knock, attract that opportunity. So what I'm doing now is, yes, things are a little slow. I'm just making work, whatever work I like. And then um, eventually it will, it will happen again. Because that's, that's how our industries work, isn't it? Like it's seasonal. It's always seasonal. And no matter how predictable it is for us, we always forget that it is. Oh, man, bro, for real. <laughs> I just came out yeah, of one actually like, like two weeks, three weeks ago. And I was like kind of panicking now. But... I also knew I went through the same thing like a few months ago to last year. And the same thing. It's like I journal too and it's like super helpful for me to process all the the thoughts. 
Um, and also the podcast, I also talk to other creatives who are also freelancers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just hearing it from you, it helps. Nah, okay. That you're not alone. Because before talking to you, I mean, I I'd see you on Instagram and I'd be like, yeah, Jappy's like, he's got it. Like, <laughs> this guy probably doesn't <laughs> no. you know have. But when you talk to someone, you know, face to face, like, I mean, it's it's easy to go on Instagram and be like, this person's doing so well, but no. Um, like your example, like you, you think you go on my Instagram, like this guy's always making stuff. He's always busy. Good for him. But no, like I keep myself in that zone where like, if it's not commissions, I'm doing personal work because the personal work attracts more work. Um, yeah, and so I try not to overthink it now because the, like you know, like that whole journal, the journal thing. When I went back on it, it was March 2021, and it was March 2023 when I was feeling down. I'm like, oh yeah, the beginning of the year is always slow. How come I always forget? Get in on the end. So creatives always forget that it's seasonal. We always forget, but it really is. Linda, <laughs> okay, man. I mean, super good stuff. But I, I do wanna end the podcast on just a series of questions um just like some advice questions and i think we're we're since since we're on that topic of talking about like mental health and lulls um i'll start with this one right which is when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or just lost basically like what do you do i mean you already answered that with just keep creating but are there any other things that you go to like like we mentioned journaling is it is it physical activities or workouts yeah what what helps you when you're overwhelmed when i'm overwhelmed like yeah i think it's a lot of um journaling helps i think a lot because overwhelmed in my experience has always been just you have too many thoughts and too many too much stimulation going on whereas you can't where you can't organize them and it starts to build and you start to panic. You know, the anxiety builds and you start to panic when you're overwhelmed. So me, when I am when I get really overwhelmed, I find time, I find space to kind of like, okay, I want to write everything down. doesn't matter how well it's written or how organized it is, but like find a topic in your head, like calm down. Okay, what's bugging me? What's, what's the problem right now? Oh, things are slow. It's a lull and I'm panicking. Write that down. Why do you feel that way? How will you fix it? What has worked best in the past? Um, or, and then the next one, what's the next problem? Oh, this and that, go back on it, write it down. And no one's going to read it. So like for other creatives who want to try journaling, like some people journal as if they're writing a book. And that's why if that's your style, but like, remember, no one's going to read it. You don't have to hold back. I find myself holding back a lot. Like, Hmm, should I write this detail? Like, no one's going to read this. Most likely they'll read it when I'm dead or something, but no one's going to read this. So just put it all out there. And that's always helped me because once you're done, once you close that journal, you close that book, you're like, you feel a little lighter because you were able to kind of pour everything out and then organize it in a tangible sense. When it's in your brain, it's all like this. It's all tangled up. When you go on a page, you can see it like organized and you feel a little less that's in my experience i'm curious um do you do you draw do you sketch on your on your journal is that something that that comes up a little bit yeah i have actually have two journals i have one journal that's just for writing but i have like a sketchbook that i 
adrenaline that's a little bit more messy. I'm just like, I have too many ideas. So I just start like rough sketching everything. And then I write down how I feel about this idea, why I feel that way. So I have a journal that's just like a little bit more, it's like a crazy person right, in a right. movie or video games wrote it. Then I have one that's like really well written. Like you could, you could totally read it. It has dates and everything. So yeah, it's really just like pouring out your thoughts and ideas. It doesn't have to be pretty. How about the boxing? Do you ever go back to boxing, to, to weightlifting, or to the gym? Like how, how important is that to staying mentally healthy? I think like physical will start sounding like a like a jock or like a douche. <laughs> That's my problem is like when, when I talk about like or the working out aspect of it, a lot of people think, oh, that working out so douchey. Um, no, in I a mean, way it objectively is, but... though, man, like it's... I, 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 me, I believe like it's just like even just like on an objective, like chemical brain level yeah. like you do need oh, yeah it. exactly a lot of people don't understand that so if you're creative right now listening and you think working out is always reducing or whatever it's not like just find an activity you like and do it you don't have to become like a super jock at the gym or or get into fights but like just become like do physical activity because it actually is a chemical thing i'm not a doctor or a scientist but like it's well researched that Working out releases serotonin, right? Endorphins. It just makes you feel better. It it releases a lot of stress. So it's not something I do when I'm overwhelmed, mostly because like when I'm overwhelmed, it's almost like panic attack mode, but not not that intense. I just do the workouts. I work out every day or almost every day as part of my routine to keep my brain clear. So I carve out every at least six days a week i carve out an hour or two every day just to be able to focus on that because that helps me like mentally and also of course the health aspect of it's very important yeah for real um for me no man it's i know it's running and uh like cycling like that's that's something i really turn to um a little bit of resistance training to like minimal but i it does wonders when i'm feeling shady for real and um, just as an aside, like I, I know it's super like it's everywhere now with people talking about ice baths, but I just um, kind of got into it <laughs> and I just tried it for the first time like last month. And then I got, I ordered one like an inflatable Better one. Know, the tub. Yeah, yeah, I just got it like last week. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, speaking of like chemical um, happy hormones, man. Yeah, it really off, does uh, change something in your brain to do stuff like that. Difficult, Even if you don't think it does, stuff, but no. when you like also there mentally, like if you overcome something you didn't think you could, it helps you get through the rest of your day a little bit better. Like in like an ice bath, I've heard it time and time again. But if you go into an ice bath, you stay in there like five minutes, three minutes, five minutes. I don't know how long you're supposed to, but after that, like if I could do this, I can do anything else today. Like I can do that that task I was dreading because I sat in ice for three minutes. But it really does does help, like just to get out and do something physical, and then going back into the desk and like, if I could if I could run ten kilometers, I can draw this thing. I can finish this piece. You know, yeah. Yeah, not douchey at all. Like <laughs> fight the stigma. That's dumb. <laughs> That's judgment. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When I was in college and I started working out, that was when I wouldn't say working out became popular then, but it has had a resurgence. But before its resurgence, like fitness into it's good for your mental health and stuff. It was really like 
the, a douchey thing to do. So I was labeled as that by my, my friends. Like, oh, you went to the gym? Oh, you're such a... Why are you making fun of me for working out? Look at this. Yeah, world this taking care of myself. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't have to like be the, the jerk. You're just taking care of yourself. Most people think it's like, you have to do, you have to lift this heavy to be respected. No. If, you, if you're working on yourself, respectable. Don't have to be whatever. You know? For real. Okay, uh, next question uh, I want to ask is, uh, what are the bad recommendations you hear in your profession? or ex- area of expertise? Um, well, it's, I wouldn't say like advice. The bad recommendations really is, I would say, not necessarily recommendation, but more like bad mindset is not adopting new techniques and new technologies. I'm not saying we all have to do AI art. Don't, but, oh no, I'm, I'm starting to sound like them. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, back in my day, oh, we, we never used like masking tape. We all just learn how to do straight lines. You know, that's not something that's a, an example. Or like, oh, you use um, this kind of paint. We used to do this only, so this is all we do. Like, okay. But that's why you guys might not move into the futures because you're not innovating. I think people who, there, that's the one where like, if you're not interested in innovating, even in the smallest of ways, it will hinder your growth. Um, like it's, it's, it's fine to have a traditional way of doing things, but if you're going to hate on a new way of doing projects and you don't, you're not getting get get on the train of progressive innovation, you're going to get left behind. So they're like a bad recommendation would be just to not test out and try out new ways of producing your work. You know, like, let's say in the film industry, if everyone was still editing, like cutting up re- uh, film and taping it together, nothing would get done. <laughs> in a, it, I mean, it would get done, but like half the time if you had editing software, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? I think, you know, I, I see that too sometimes with, uh, I don't know, different industries, but it's like a romanticizing of the past where it's like, yo, you know, back in the mm-hmm. day, this when the real music was made, like, yeah. you you had to go I through it the it. hard way, you know, but um, yeah, you know, not really. <laughs> it's important to respect tradition and the people who came before us and the way they did things. But you also have to kind of embrace the future and how it's being done now. Like, like it's a social media. When I started out, Instagram was just a, an app. You could post pictures of your friends or whatever. I posted my work and I sold myself through Instagram. I got a lot of work from there and that's where people discovered my my content, my work. Nowadays, I'm still very iffy about doing the reels and the TikToks, but that's how engagement happens. Now. A lot of things are being sold through TikTok, through Instagram, through Facebook. No one's doing like physical stores anymore. People are making livings off of selling things on online or selling services online and we can just you and i were millennials so we're like these gen z kids and their tiktok whatever they're 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 social media but at the same time you know we're gonna get left behind if we don't at least adopt some of that mindset where like they're innovating if we stop innovating we're done that's so true it's funny you say that because i did just try out tiktok like just last year and then I'm like, 
I had these moments where like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like you're in between takes and you're like recording, you're trying to say something, I'm trying to record you, and then you just have a moment, you're like, what the fuck am I actually doing right All now? Right. And then you feel cringy, you feel dumb, but you know what, fuck it. I treated like a project. I'm just gonna publish this, see what happens. And you know, true enough, like it did kind of, I don't know if it was just the timing, but I think it contributed to me getting out of that rut. Like it just, I don't know, maybe someone saw it, you know, and it doesn't have to be like the cringy stuff either. You know, yeah. I, like I said, like two for two for them. No, for actually, you, I like, was doing a dance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're dancing to a song, shaking your butt. No, but like, like if you're like, see, like I'll use Rahul again as an example. Rahul, you're getting a lot of free press right now, but he loves doing impersonation. He loves doing like comedy skits and that's what he did. And that's how he made his, you know, made his, his business, his fortune through just being his authentic self. Sure, it's not something we're used to, like TikTok and, and Instagram reels. But like, if you adopt it and make it your own, there's nothing to worry about. Like with my reels, sure, they're not like going super viral because they're not dances or they're not memes, but they're like, they're relatable to an art audience. And that's just what I want to do. Like put out my work in a modern platform, a modern setting like TikTok or reels in a way that that would still be authentic to myself. So, you know, you just got to learn to innovate or learn to embrace innovation. Right now it's AI. I don't know how we're all going to cope with it because it's going to take our job someday. <laughs> people are going to be making videos completely through AI. They're copying people's voices now. It's scary. It's, yeah, it, it's a wild thing. Man. Actually, I'm thinking of having someone on to, to just like parse it and unpack it. I'm also like, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what's gonna happen with it. scary it's it's scary did you hear that there's a new song by drake and the weekend yeah. that's completely fake yeah. and it was all tickled. and it charted it AI. and it, it sounds so real what the hell yeah. i'm getting i mean it's it's too early to tell where it's gonna go but at some point you and i will have to adapt adapt a version of it into our industries to keep relevant to keep alive love it or hate it so it's either we we go and be like that's oh, not the way you, we used to do things. Then at some point, we're just going to not get anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'll just end it with like a last question. Um, kind of related to, to where we are. You know? Parang just reflecting on the hero's journey, like the all the years in Manila and then this risk you are at right now. Um, you know, like what kind of advice do you think you could give to someone who sees what you're doing and wants to go out there let's say it's a college student it's a driven college student who wants to get into art or murals specifically um yeah what what kind of advice could you could you give them that's uh okay interesting because now that now that you know that 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 saying that philosophy that, that philosophy saying where you're like the only thing i know is that i don't know anything or something like that that's something i can totally relate to right now is maybe if you're going around you're gonna go set out to do this never think that you know everything because especially when you're young and you're brash you're like oh, i know what i'm doing no you don't as much as you know as talented as you are as as hard driven and as hardworking as you are there will always be other people who know more than you who have experienced more than you and yes not everyone like that is there to help you or wants to help you. Not everyone out there is kind enough. Always keep an open mind and an open heart 
when listening to people who've done it before or, or have um, experienced these things before because in one way or another, there's something to learn from there. There's something to learn from everything, from everyone. Just don't go out there. Don't set out your career. Don't start out thinking, I know this now. I don't need to do this or that. Because those are some of the pitfalls that have led to some of my failures in my career, my setbacks. It's like thinking I'm invincible because, oh, I'm a little bit successful at this one thing. I can do whatever I want. And then you get shot down and then your ego gets bruised and it hurts. So for any young creatives out there, you want to make this work, learn as much as you can and keep learning. And, you know, seek out opportunities to learn. Not just opportunities to grow, not just opportunities to prove yourself, but also opportunities to learn. Those are just as valuable, if not more valuable, than money-making opportunities or whatever. So yeah, I think that's a and, uh, good one. Yeah, and I think um, we'll end it at that. Um, Jappy, so many gems in this conversation. So really appreciate you just like, you know, being super relatable and sharing your story, sharing what you're going through with this move to New York and uh Billy Balsia bro like uh, a feeling I'd love to we can do this again after some time and then you know you should be back man so hopefully we can do it in person um yeah uh best of luck man I love that dude yeah super fun being here thanks for having me like this was fun so fun all right thanks Jaffy So that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please remember that we really love it when you guys engage with the content and social media. Feel free to tag us in your stories and share anything you've learned about these episodes. We super appreciate it when you guys do that. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Quentong Creatives and on TikTok at kcreatives.geo. It isn't in the orthodox. No, no, no.